When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, so I have the sluttest tarot card deck in okay. front of me. And I thought we could start out by you drawing a tarot card to maybe inform uh, this episode for oh us. Oh, God. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Here we go. Let's do it. Ooh. It's the King of Swords. We have the King of Swords. Is this a good omen, Caroline? The King of Swords means clear thinking, <gasps> intellectual power, <gasps> authority, yes! and truth. Oh my God, that's great. I know. I'm not even kidding. I know. That's exactly what we need. We, we so need that. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm a convert. I'm Lady Hey y'all, and welcome to Unladylike, the podcast that finds out what happens when women break the rules. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And this week, we're talking about women who practice witchcraft and earn money doing it. I mean, Caroline, you've noticed the hype, right? Oh yeah, witches are super hot right now. Oh God. (laughs) Is that like a witch-burning pun? No, I didn't even mean that. (laughs) It's true. I mean, witchcraft is blowing up in the sense that, of course, we still have all of like the gothy craft-ish fashions out there. Oh, sure. But you have Ask a Witch advice columns. Mm -hmm. You have high-end witchcraft stores. You have even witchy crystal dildos available for mystical experiences with your (laughs) self. It's true. It is true. There was even uh, a Broad City episode about witches, so you know it's totally hit the zeitgeist. Oh, yeah. Well, in 2016, there were an estimated 1 million self-identified witches in the U.S. And Caroline, as for this whole witch business thing, mm-hmm. uh, I did some LLC searching. Okay. You know, because I'm cool like that. And there are a few hundred, it looks like, witch-related businesses registered across the U.S. So we want to find out, like, what does it mean that the business of witchcraft or witchpreneurism, as I like to call it, is going mainstream? And how do we support and empower these passionate women while also being responsible consumers of witch-related goods and services? Without letting capitalism ruin the magic. But first, some witchcraft stuff that we aren't going to cover— we're not going to be talking about hexing Donald Trump and the patriarchy <laughs> as much as we, we we might love to imagine it. Uh, we're not going to be talking about witchcraft persecution happening around the world. Uh, we're also not going to be digging into problematic pop cultural representations of witchcraft because what we're interested in for this episode is how independent witches and giant corporate brands alike are leaning into what feels like mystical money-making. But, I mean, honestly, 
it, it leaves me a little tinged with the cringe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely, without a doubt, a cringe factor to some of this. I When I look at, like, hashtag witches of Instagram, for instance, it leaves me a little worried about taking advantage of people, maybe, or appropriating some religious or spiritual practices. But on the other hand, I mean, witches are feminist icons, right? And you and I, obviously, are all about sisters doing it for themselves. So what's wrong with women earning money off of witchcraft if they want to? Well, it's complicated. So that's why we have to put this whole cringe factor to the test and investigate, one, what business witches are selling us, and two, why we're buying it like never before. Today, we're going to dig into the way that magic money-making happens from back in the burning times of the 16th century up to now. And we'll even meet a business witch who's killing it and not afraid to say so. To start, though, we're going to meet the witch who set us off on this whole adventure to begin with. So Kristen and I started our journey here in Atlanta with our local witch, Haley Murphy. We met Haley, a.k.a. Witch Mama, at her community space here called ATL Craft. I'm Witch Mama. We are at a shop and a resource center for the magically minded. And to give you a sense of the ATL craft vibe, it's appropriately Southern Gothic. Very dark inside. Yes. And the space kind of leads you to her altar, which is covered with candles and different photos and offerings. There are crystals, Palo Santo, all sorts of witchy products for sale. At first, she was totally uncomfortable making a profit using her witchcraft. And that was really the thing that we kept coming back to afterwards, like her feelings about witchpreneurism. If capitalism or consumerism is a part of witchcraft, like a red flag should just completely fly. Like, no, this is part of the patriarchy and the consuming nature of capitalism. Like, hopefully that's where your mind goes because that's what it is. For Haley, you can't buy your way into a coven. It is a practice and it is work. You can't just be like, I'm a witch now. No, you have to do the work. Yeah, so Haley's a real witch's witch. And you discover pretty quickly talking to her that she comes at her craft with a lot of research and thought and really deep belief. And it turns out that Haley and I have a lot in common, at least in our upbringing, because we were both homeschooled and brought up in super evangelical Christian homes and churches. And from a young age, Haley says that she was able to sense spirits And it was initially terrifying. So she turned to witchcraft because she found that it helped her take control of her experiences. And it gave her a kind of power that just wasn't available to women in the church. For instance, Haley describes herself as an empath, a a medium, and says that she can communicate with spirits. When she does tarot readings for people, sometimes she'll even sense one of their family members trying to communicate. And she says that it's actually kind of exhausting. That kind of work would just never have been open to her if she had stayed in the church. All of that to say, Witch Mama wasn't motivated to open ATL Craft because of trendiness. Yeah, for her, it's actually about creating a radical feminist 
community space. And at ATL Craft, she offers everything from tarot readings to vagina education classes. In fact, the thing that sparked her into opening this space was the election of Donald Trump. We had 100-plus members happen only in a few days because we were at the women's rally and we were just, like, telling everybody. And there was just an influx of people coming in because they were like, I don't know what to do. I don't. I feel helpless and powerless. And because it's a community space, it was like, we'll figure it out together. I love it. Here's Haley turning that election into something and living her feminist witch dream at the same time. But in order for her to do this, she's had to accept the inevitable, becoming part of a capitalist system that she totally resents. It took a lot of, like, therapy and working with my psychic friend to, like, help unblock some blocks to, like, accept money. Because I, like, in my heart of heart and core of self believe that money is evil and we should do everything should be a bartering system and everything should be trade. Like, I truly believe that. This is a constant push-pull in her mind, and she's desperate to avoid the trappings of becoming just another business witch. Anything and everything can be perverted, especially with money. Like, specifically, like, makeup, the makeup industry on on Instagram is just sickening. It's like, it's like this wave of feminism came in, and they were like, how do we rebrand and make people, women, feel even shittier about themselves so they can contour all day? Like, they don't even look like themselves. They just look like a Kardashian. They look... It's like they all look the same. Now her talking about makeup reminded me of a blog post that we had run across on HelloGiggles.com. The headline is 16 Magical Brands to Cast a Spell on Your Beauty Routine. Mm. So I had to know from a witch's witch (laughs) what Haley thought about it. And let's just play her reaction. I'm kind of like speechless because I have never, I do not know what HelloGiggles.com is (laughs) and I've never heard of anything like this. I'm like, the shock is, I'm letting it settle. We definitely don't have any type of like beauty, like makeup or anything of that nature in, in this space and we never will. And if someone asks for her magical beauty routine... Oh my gosh, I would literally say I like slaughter a brand new baby human and just like rub their blood all over my face and it keeps me younger. I love that that's how strongly she feels about how like a lot of this beauty stuff kind of borders on the ridiculous, but also how potentially threatening the witchpreneurism stuff is to the integrity of witchcraft as she sees it. Yeah, I I honestly wasn't expecting for her to have um, such a such a strong opposition to it. I mean, and it it, it gripped our attention so much that, I mean, obviously, like we're doing this podcast now (laughs) all because of it. And next up, how to avoid the pitfalls of big witch. And we meet the woman behind this incredible witch cackle. (laughs) so now it's time to unpack the claptrap this is where we slip on our feminist glasses to sort through all the history and context of why things are the way they are. And Caroline, especially since you and I aren't witches, 
I feel like we should emphasize that it's not just us muggles who are observing these trends and cringing a little bit at witchcraft gone mainstream. We've also seen more scholarly critiques. Uh, For instance, Kristen Solie, who started Sluttist, uh, which is where our tarot cards today came from. Oh, yeah. Also wrote a book called Witches, Sluts, and Feminists. Sounds like a group of friends I want to hang out with. I know, right? It's like the ultimate girl gang. <laughs> where she talks about this this whole uh, commercialization of witchcraft, which she calls the spiritual industrial complex. Oh, I love it. That Because you hear about like the wedding industrial complex. Mm-hmm. So that totally jives with what we're talking about today. Yeah, her example of what she uses is going into an Urban Outfitters mm-hmm. and kind of digging through like all of their new like apothecary-ish products. Right, like perfume with a crystal in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it raised her red flags because it's it's kind of hard to tell where these products are coming from. And obviously, like, if you're in an Urban Outfitters, there's a pretty good chance that it's not coming from, like, you know, your, your local witch. So how do we even begin to dive into this so-called spiritual industrial complex? Let's start with a question we asked at the top of our episode. What is witchpreneurism selling us? Well, I mean, literally, it's selling us all sorts of mystical fun items like candles and crystals that you can use during your witchy retreats and workshops. Uh, Maybe you can pick up some conjure oils or some sage and palo santo to cleanse the air. Oh, and don't forget also... You can maybe order that stuff from like one of those witch lifestyle magazines that are out there. Yeah, print is not dead. (laughs) (laughs) Not in the witch world. Uh, But what I think that witchpreneurs are really selling us with all of these things is the sense of power and control. Especially if you're adopting the whole witch look, it can be a fun way to kind of thumb your nose at the mainstream. Oh, yeah. I mean, witches are the original rebels. Totally. I mean, and, and women are a lot of women, at least. Are really angry right now. Well, and another aspect, though, of having that power, having that control is being able to exert control over your own literal health and wellness. Yes, this is so much a part of the, that like DIY self-healing mm-hmm. and wellness movement that we've been seeing with like tinctures and rituals and candles. Um, but also like let's just talk about the fact that sisters are having to do it for themselves because our non-existent health care sh- certainly isn't doing it. Yeah. And I mean, there has been this movement uh, of women like flocking to wellness, quote unquote, over like their general practitioners because, hello, hello, welcome to being a woman. Historically, women have felt unheard by their doctors. And especially when you've got issues like polycystic ovarian syndrome or endometriosis, like things like that historically take years to get a real diagnosis for. So it's no wonder that women are like, I need to get a medical grip and like control my own healthcare, be my own advocate. Now, this by no means is our medical endorsement no, no, no. of DIY healthcare. We're just laying out the landscape because obviously there are, you know, that's that could be dicey territory to get into, but that's for a whole other episode. What this starts to develop into, though, Caroline, once we get this like girl power and wellness and witches of Instagram 
we're starting to see this witch lifestyle, which is totally new. I mean, it used to be just sort of like reserved for pop cultural tropes Mm -hmm. or like more back in the day where, um, and even still today in some places, uh, you definitely would not want to be loud and proud about your like witchy intentions because you would be like shunned. (laughs) Yeah. Or you would just be made fun of as like the goth kid at school. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there is something to like the lifestyle look. Crystals are very photogenic. (laughs) And and I'm being serious here. Like a lot of like the witch tools, like the kinds of things that we associate with, with witchcraft, they just look good on camera. Oh, for sure. And we're talking about Instagram in particular, because there is like a line technology-wise that's also helped get us to this point because back in the day, and by that I mean <laughs> like 2010, <laughs> um, witchpreneurs were on eBay. But in 2012, eBay banned any <laughs> spells, curses, hexing, conjuring, magic, etc. Like they basically like blocked if it's not tangible yeah 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 which makes sense yeah. i mean there, there there's definitely like some hoodwinking going on with all of that um but after they you know had to move out of ebay etsy became the go-to which place totally makes sense um but in 2015 there was a huge controversy because etsy then banned spells and potions and other kinds of um intangible products. So then what you're saying is like Instagram has become the home. It's the coven. Ah. It's the digital coven. Yeah. Because think about it, like your your target audience is already there. Instagram is predominantly used by women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a visual medium and it's the perfect place, the perfect tool for self-branding, which is a lot of what this witchpreneurism revolves around. And a lot of the people behind this marketing are women. Like this mm-hmm. is a, sort of a cottage industry on one end that women are developing themselves. And of course you have big witch, i.e. <laughs> like the urban outfitters types of spaces mm-hmm. that are now starting to get in on the game too. Yeah. But now we got to rewind. We got to go back to ye oldie, (laughs) not so urban, (laughs) because if we want to find out how we got to today's convergence of wellness culture and technology and just the surrounding sociopolitical chaos that we're all living in. (laughs) Oh, fun. We're kind of reinventing the witch wheel. Yeah. Because originally, like... Witches were in business for themselves, too. Yeah, I mean, it's not like these ye olde witches you're referring to were exclusively pro bono. I mean, a lot of these, well, men and women, if we want to get into who was persecuted in in medieval Europe, it was both. A lot of these people were probably healers and midwives of some sort who ended up getting branded as witches by the Catholic Church, who was none too pleased that you had all of these like lay people practicing healing and in a lot of cases being perhaps more successful than men who were doing it. And I've got a curveball theory to throw out at you. Okay. Well, hang on to your witch hat because there are some twists and turns here. Okay. Courtesy of Silva Federici, who is this Marxist feminist, 
presented this theory in her book that came out in 2004 called Caliban and the Witch, Women, the Body, and Primitive Accumulation. Of course. I mean, one of, one of your favorite beach reads, I'm sure. <laughs> I take it everywhere. Federici's whole thesis is that the witch hunts went down because of capitalism. Okay. Uh-huh. So I'm about to condense a whole lot of like social and economic history. I love it. <laughs> into, just it a, me. into just a couple of like very digestible bites. Mm. So when the burning times are happening in the 16th and 17th century, this is when we see the first hints of capitalism. Okay. So basically we go from more of like this communal kind of living, not so much of like a cash economy, to this more individualistic pursuit of wealth. Mm, yeah. And of course, it's super patriarchal. Um, and as this is happening, we have the Enlightenment going on. Oh, rational thought. Yeah. Oh, yes. These like men coming in and being like, we're so logical. Logic, we're, logic, logic. We're going to make up something called science. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of that, you know, they were really concerned about uh, population. You know, we need to have like more babies so that we can have more workers to make more money. I mean, the world is a beautiful thing, isn't it? I will love it. <laughs> Truly. I mean, so Federici says the witch hunts had to happen as an example to women to stay in their lane, to get domestic to be wives and mothers above all else, to not worry about all of this like self-healing, working for yourself, leaving the house, not relying on men or the church, which mm -hmm. is like literally the original patriarchy. Yeah, the ultimate authority. Or else you will be publicly shamed and who knows, you might even be tortured and burned at the stake. So to support patriarchal capitalism, witchy women had to be sent back to the home or, you know, burned or hanged. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not exactly like there were like a group of dudes in the back room who were like, uh, capitalism is coming. See, let's <laughs> burn all the witches. Right. Huh. Um, but she more sees it as like, you know, taking like that bird's eye view and links witches as like essentially like the ultimate threat to capitalism. So ironic, then, that when we come around today, mm -hmm. we're seeing witches bootstrapping themselves up via capitalism. And if you want a witch who is totally reclaiming that capitalism, who better than Veronica Varlow? Veronica lives in New York, and she goes by the business name The Love Witch. People would be like, where can I find you? Where can I get a ritual for my boyfriend and I? Can you marry us? Can you do that? You know, and so, yeah, yeah, I can. All of it, all day, every day. Lovewitch.com, honey. <laughs> that might be my favorite witch cackle ever. Yes! Side note. Uh, Veronica's fabulous. She's a burlesque dancer who's built a whole business around her witchcraft. And before you talk to her, Caroline, you and I were both drawn to her very curated online image. She seemed to really fit our idea of what a witchpreneur looks like. And by that, I mean a very glamorous Instagram account and all of this, again, like shameless self-promotion. So we sought her out to help us understand what this witchpreneurism world is like IRL. And unlike Haley, who you guys will remember from the top of the show, 
Veronica is super ready, willing, and eager to seize this moment that witches are having right now. My business has grown so much. I mean, my business has easily doubled, if not tripled, in the last two years. And what this witchpreneur is selling us includes services like tarot readings and healing ceremonies for about $175 a pop. Uh, she offers all sorts of classes for around 100 bucks for your love life or your career life. Uh, she even teams up with sister witches for pricier retreats. And Veronica found witchcraft in a really different way than Witch Mama Haley did. She actually grew up with rituals and believes that her witchy senses were passed down to her from her grandmother. She read tarot cards. She also did palms. Um, she would have these bridge games over her house. And then after they were done with the cards for bridge, uh, her, her friends would, you know, chain smoke, drink, and my grandma would read them cards over that that was like her girl gang and they were pretty awesome and i remember one of the times one of the rituals she would do is a hand washing ritual which basically you get a bowl and you put oils in it you know i use orange oil you get rose petals you can put crystals at the bottom of the bowl and make sure you have nice warm water and then you take somebody else's hands because one of the women was going through a really really hard time and I remember that my grandmother would wash her hands and just basically run her fingers over this woman's lines of her palm over and over. And that was kind of, it's a Czechoslovakian ritual of, of healing and helping and caretaking. Um, and it's something that I do now. Um, actually, I did uh, last Saturday night at um, an insane warehouse party because now I'm starting to do rituals and love ceremonies in insane, wild, underground Brooklyn warehouse parties. Now, just quickly, I have to ask, what is a love ceremony? Well, the way that Veronica tells it, it kind of sounds like it's a joint meditation session with couples touching hands with oils in their palms. And Veronica was actually telling me about this one couple. So she encounters them at this party. The husband was super skeptical. But once he and his wife went through this whole process with her uh, of having them hold hands and pressing their foreheads together and all this stuff, they ended up experiencing this really emotional moment. And they were both crying. She's like, well, you know, we've been together for 14 years and we've been having a really rough time. And we came to this party to kind of have this fun, insane experience. And I wasn't expecting to wind up here with you and she's like that's exactly what we needed because in all the 14 years that we've been together life gets so busy and just doing a ritual for 10 minutes and honoring each other she said I feel like we just got married again and something really special happened and when Veronica was explaining all of this to me I was totally nodding along because to me it sounds just like a form of couples therapy you know the kind of stuff that you'd be advised to do if you were feeling disconnected from your partner, it's all about having those moments where you make time to bond so you don't become even more disconnected. And I can see totally like how that can feel almost magical for people who've been going in different directions and maybe don't feel as close. Absolutely. So with these love rituals, 
Veronica's side hustle has become her main gig. Since this kind of wave has turned more to witchcraft, when I get hired by nightlife or when I'm out doing rituals, it is now kind of turned to be like maybe 25% burlesque and 75% witchcraft, rituals, tarot, all of that. So now my nightlife world is kind of running straight into my witchcraft world. And she is one busy love witch. Every single night this week, I'm doing a party, um, sometimes until five or six in the morning. There's a lot of people out there, and um, they're really needing this and looking for this. Deep connection is something that is difficult in a world of, you know, social media and technology, and we don't get to really see each other or feel each other or have that deep, intense connection. So... That's why I think ritual and witchcraft will save us all, for real. So what do you think, Kristen? Are witchcraft rituals going to save us all? Well, Caroline, um, I I would love them too. Uh, I like the idea of all these rituals, but I'm still skeptical. And what I'm really curious to find out from Veronica is how she reconciles this craft that obviously, like, means so much to her that she was raised with, with capitalism. And that's what we're going to find out after a quick break. So, Caroline, you talked to Veronica the Love Witch, not me. And I'm really curious whether it was uncomfortable at all, like asking her about the intersection of like ritual and all of this like work that she does and kind of the cold, hard cash aspect of it. Well, what's funny is like I was the uncomfortable one. Veronica was not uncomfortable at all. She was super down to not only discuss like the business side of things, but also the financial success aspect. We all know so many witches that, like, can't rub two nickels together, and they're, like, always scraping by and things like that. And some of the most powerful witches out there, like, I feel like that that happens a lot. And it's about valuing your work and about what you have to put out there. I know that I am here without a doubt to do love rituals. I am here to create magic in the world and help people find their truest self and have confidence in themselves and manifest the life that they desire. That is my jam. And I am not ashamed to be like, I'm really excited about this and I'm excited I'm making a living at it because if I wasn't making a living at it, then how would I be able to pay my bills? I would have to do some other work that is not my passion. You know, I got to respect that, Caroline. I mean, she's following her passion. She is loving what she does. And so to me, she demonstrates that, yes, you can be a boss witchpreneur, but it also demonstrates, judging by how quickly her business is growing, that there is a demand out there. I mean, she says it herself, like there's a need, like people want this and need to connect. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a ton of trend forecasting data out there 
to back this up. Yeah. So we read reports from groups like JWT and K-Hole. That's the firm, by the way, that predicted the whole Normcore trend, which is already so yesterday. But they're backing up everything that Veronica is saying in terms of people searching for something different, something fulfilling outside of the mainstream. And K-Hole is calling all of this, this whole trend that encompasses like witchpreneurism as well, mysticore. They also say that spirituality has a natural fit with the wellness and beauty industries, and these have been the first to embrace alternative ideas. And so in my mind, that kind of brings us back to that central conflict of whether pop culture, marketability, success spoils the craft or whether it provides a more accessible gateway to empowerment. And I was asking Veronica about that line between the performative like Instagram witch and meaningful practice and whether she even thinks that line matters. To be honest, I don't. And and people ask me this question a lot. They're like, there's even a book out that's called um, Basic Witch. And it's about people that are just like trying to like, I don't know, get into it and figure it out or whatever. And the thing is, if you are drawn to it because it's a trend, I'm hoping that you'll go even deeper into it and find out all of the incredible, amazing things that witchcraft has to offer. Her casual attitude didn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's well established now that she is, she's a witchpreneur and she's speaking as such and she's proud of it as any just like entrepreneurial, self-promotional person would be. And it comes across to me as just another form of kind of that bootstrappy DIY quality to all of this, which I think is a big part of why magic, I'm saying in quotes, is super appealing to people right now. Right. And the more accessible the concept of magic is, the better it is for business witches, right? So, I mean, I asked Veronica what exactly she means when she refers to magic. I, I'm curious to hear what your definition of magic is and how, like, what your intentions are when you use that term. Like, are you thinking in terms of literal? Are you thinking in terms of symbolic or, like, somewhere in between? Hmm. I feel like in my own experience, magic is something that is seemingly, this is a really good question. Let me think about this for a second. Okay. Magic is something that is unexplained that if you really believe can happen. I'm not particularly controlling the forces of nature, although I do tell my women, um, my my beautiful crew of girl gang in the spellbinding burlesque classes, Aboriginal women do a ritual when there is a drought where they stand over the field and they move their hips in a circle eight motion and they do it over and over and over until it brings the rain. And so I tell my students, when you move your hips, I want you to move your hips like you can change the weather because otherwise don't waste your time. You know what I'm saying? Like move those hips, change the weather. You know, when you walk down that sidewalk, 
It's a sidewalk for other people. It's a catwalk for you. You know what I'm saying? We're paying taxes, baby. That's that's like, you know, that's owned by all of us. I'm going to strut down that sidewalk. My catwalk. Done. Caroline, I'm not sure that I'm on board for that catwalk entirely. Like, I, I appreciate the uh, self-empowerment and absolutely claim your taxpayer spaces in the world. Um, and it's not the part of magic being very nebulous that bothers me at all. Hello. That's just like spirituality at large, faith in the unseen. Cool with it. Um, again, it's just sort of this larger question that that also nags on me whenever I hear like corporate women's empowerment messaging where it just feels in terms of uh real world agency a little thin to me but again like you said earlier we're buying this sense of power and control and if this is what gets you there no harm no foul yeah and the fact that that definition of magic is so nebulous is what makes it that much more accessible to consumers, to retreat clients, and to these business witches. So what did we learn? What happens when witches get down to business? I mean, I think on on my more skeptical side, I would say we're being sold kind of a, a placebo effect that has a really great look to it. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, that is my cynical side saying that. And I certainly do not want to offend women like Haley and Veronica because I just adore both of them so much. I think they are filling a need. I don't think it's like wasted. And I mean, like we said, you know, we're feminist entrepreneurs. We're building a business of our own. So like, who are we to say like, hey, witchy women? Well, yeah, I mean, because this also is an important exploration for for us as well to ask these questions about capitalism mm -hmm. and making money, you know, yes, as feminists, because we face the same kind of claptrap. I mean, feminism has undergone a similar sort of um, commodification. Like, I have bought, like, feminist sweatshirts, shirt, shirt, one shirt from H&M. Yeah. I mean, that's that's... And the same thing that we talk about when we talk about being an ethical shopper and consumer in general really comes into play when you are shopping for witchy supplies or like witchy rituals in that it's good to keep in mind those critiques and criticisms like where are these products coming from? How are they made and sourced? Um, are, are you supporting your local witch? And it's it's one thing to like study certain rituals or practices or beliefs. But I think too, like being aware of the fact that these things are legitimately people's religious practices. So if you are one of these mystical consumers that K-Hole was talking about, or if you're just like super into witches of Instagram, it helps to keep those wits about you. The thing is, we haven't told listeners that sitting in the middle of our podcasting table is our little feminist altar courtesy of ATL Craft. Yeah, we went in to talk to Haley and in the process of like completely falling in love with her and loving her shop and community center, we were like, so wait, what do these crystals do? 
So we purchased a small copper cauldron, some Palo Santo, and a couple of crystals. And Kristen, like you built this amazing altar that includes pictures of badass feminists that represent earth, wind, fire, and water. I mean, thank you for calling it amazing. It is literally like scotch tape and pictures I cut out of a book. Don't downplay (laughs) your altar. It is amazing. I think it's amazing. I look at them and they're a great reminder to take a deep breath, be calm and centered, focus, and, you know, yell into a microphone with you. Can I get real for two seconds? Uh You know what it makes me feel? Like I'm rebelling from my conservative childhood. (laughs) But don't tell my mom. So now I want to hear from you. Do you cringe at the idea of witchcraft becoming commercialized? Or do you just wish the whole thing were more normalized altogether? Let us know all your thoughts. You can send them to hello at unladylike.co. And if you want to take a look at our studio altar, head on over to our Instagram feed. Be kind in the comments, people. Or you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at Unladylike Media. And something else to check out is the new Unladylike shop. We have totes, pins, stickers. Y'all, check them out. Head to unladylike.co slash shop to get your Unladylike swag on. Claire Rollinson produced this episode of Unladylike. Abigail Keel is our senior producer. Mixing and sound design is by Casey Holford. Julie Subrin is our editor. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Jenny Radelet. Special thanks this week to Peter Clowney. And we're your hosts, Kristen Conger and Caroline Irvin. Next week on the show, we're talking to one tough broad. Talk about being unladylike. So picture this. Nurses, combat boots, jungle fatigues, flak jackets, helmets. How ladylike is that? Meet the woman who used her unladylike attitude to build something pretty special. Subscribe to Unladylike in your favorite podcast app to get this episode conveniently delivered right to you when it comes out. And remember, got a problem? Get unladylike. I've had enough. <laughs> Right. <laughs> 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 <clears throat> Stitcher. <laughs>